Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages, where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. I was led into a warm, brightly lit room filled with hundreds of other new indents. They were all shuffling through a maze of guide ropes like weary overgrown children at some nightmarish amusement park. There seemed to be an equal number of men and women, but it was hard to tell because nearly everyone shared my pale complexion and total lack of body hair, and we all wore the same gray jumpsuits and gray plastic shoes. We looked like extras from THX 1138. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And today we're covering for our bonus material, we sat through the movie THX 1138. But before we get into our opinion of the movie, Aaron, this is my first time having seen this. Yes, this was my second time. And I, I'm going to see if I... And, and just to, to recap here, this is a George Lucas movie. This is pre-Star Wars. Yep. Uh, did, this, did this make it out to, to theaters? Like, was, was this widespread? This feels... This, when I watched it, it looked a lot like an indie film. It had yeah. to have been widespread. Because so, th- my understanding is that it was based on a student film that he had done. And then okay. this was the box office version that I think didn't do so well. <laughs> Understandably so, one might say. Well, yeah. I just Well, I'll tell you what, let me see if I understood it. Let me let me see if I can interpret the movie in a breakdown. You tell me if there is something I missed. Is that okay since this is my first time having seen it and I've only seen it once? Sure. All right. So if I understand this right, what we're looking at here is we've got a society of people, and they are really robots. I mean, it's weird. It's people acting kind of like robots in a very controlled environment. I guess they are raised, and they are matched and paired with people. Uh, they are drugged to tone down all emotion, and they work these dangerous jobs where they are repairing robots, basically. And they are they are governed or policed by robots as well. And it's this very stark white, 
what oh, was not medical, but it's it's this this it's sterile. Yes, it thank feels you. That's... really sterile. I think I referred to this once to you before as kind of like a commercial for Clorox bleach. It's very weird. Uh, it just, there were just a lot of little weird things, and nothing that blew my mind here. But before we get into the, kind of the reviewing here, so the gist is that it, THX's mate, the person whom he is paired with, has kind of gone off her meds, and she has forced him to go off his meds. Like he's he's he, you know he. If she gives him his plate of food, on that plate of food are are different types of meds, and she swaps out one of the meds. So as he's going through the film, he's kind of having this sort of emotional breakdown where he confides in this automated robotic confessional that is like a cross between... Robo-Jesus? Robo-Jesus. Yes. Mm, Tell me more about that. And, And he comes to a place where he, I suppose, falls in love with his mate and they plan to escape. And the movie, I guess the later half of the movie, is his attempt to escape. That's about accurate. Yeah. And, and that's, that does that, does it, did I miss anything here? That's pretty much the gist of it. She weans him off of his meds. He's starting to feel emotions again and fall for his, his flatmate or whatever they call it. Then he starts to, I guess he was, he was watching that weird porn thing. And it's the so beating odd. video, like just some it's weird so stuff. Odd. It's so bizarre. It's so, um, I don't want to say raw because raw really gives it an appetizing feel. I, I don't, that's almost a compliment, really. It's so strange. Yes. Rather than trying to step through every part of the movie, I'd kind of like to go through the parts that jumped out at me. Sure. And that jumped out at you. So, the first thing for me right off the bat is that he is doing a very stressful job. And I thought it was really interesting how there's this explosion in another bay where they're doing almost like surgical repairs on what seems to be robots. And evidently they're handling like nuclear material. Like it's so delicate that they don't trust it to robots. They trust it to humans. But then one bay completely explodes. And then you you see this like you like you would in in any kind of environment where you have construction and maintenance and 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 manufacturing where they have the how many days since somebody died well <laughs> in this case they have a competitive number of people who have died so all of a sudden this competitive bay goes up to like 236 deaths and his bay is like only 122 and it says congratulations we're now the lowest bay you know keep up the good work and be safe Right. That accident over in Red Sector L destroyed another 63 personnel, giving them a total of 242 lost to our 195. Keep up the good work and prevent accidents. This shift is concluded. Yeah, I don't think OSHA would like anyone to do things that way. It's like it's celebrating less deaths than another bay. Like, like we're just, people are going to die. Explosions are going to happen. Screw safety. But we're going to celebrate, again, in a very sterile manufacturing sort of way, this, this, that, that they have accomplished not dying <laughs> or dying less than, than the other group. Uh, that right off the bat, just kind of, I, I thought, I saw that and I was like, huh, okay. That kind of reminds, that kind of harkens back to like mines, like coal mines. In any manufacturing situation where they've got that, you know, number of days since somebody got hurt, 
Mm. It kind of made me feel like they were in their own version of the Matrix, where they're just kind of these components in a larger system, and the individuals don't really matter. It's the collective. As long as there's enough of them there to produce whatever product they are there to do, whether it's dealing with this radiation material stuff or putting robots together. Because I guess that's what it was. They were putting together like those RoboCop guys, right? Is that what they were doing? I kind of imagine there's like a society outside of what we saw and that maybe they were the manufacturing side of that. And they, like I said, they kind of seemed like the robots in the plant. Hmm. And they were given everything they needed in order to keep them toned down. So they provided them a faith that they could confess to and a religion to believe in. They provided them rules and a policing. They provided them we're going to call it pornography. It's not really pornography. I mean, some girl, it, it was just a, fine. Well, let's move into that weird, weird point number two. After a hard day's work, he goes home, eats his pills, and he's I, what I assume to be, you know, wax on, wax off, Daniel San to the television screen of some lady dancing and some music. Yeah. And then he decides... Did I get that right? No, you're right. it's so vague. And then he decides, you know what? That's not doing it for me. I kind of want to watch somebody beating the hell out of somebody. Well, I think his mate, and I call it mate because it's not really, you realize this isn't his wife. This is just someone. It's a roommate, yeah. Paired, this is someone he's been paired to live with. Like they have been statistically put together as being potentially compatible as a means of sort of satiating that human need. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess that mean, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Because uh, like later on, it was there's that whole thing about getting a new roommate or whatever because yeah. whatever reason they were being spied on or something well evidently like the guy down the hall i think what it was is that he knew that she wasn't taking his pills and he wanted her so then he just put in a request to take her and he got rid of his old roommate there are so many bits of weird but so i guess i just want to cover the bits of weird and you know if you want to watch the movie and get the whole story great these are the bits that jumped out at me as just odd because this is that kind of movie this movie is hinged together by oddities that don't blow your mind and if that if you plucked anyone out you wouldn't lose much from the plot in fact you'd lose nothing really i don't think it's not much of one there's nothing like i said there's nothing exciting going on here there's just little things like for example the police guys the police robots that have like the metal faces yeah and the kids are like up and playing with them and they're like ha 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 okay you can play with my you know my electrode baton, right? Uh, kids, you know, like the kids aren't afraid of them. And yet there are channels where one channel is just dedicated to beating someone. And then you just hear whap, uh, whap, ooh, whap, and, you know. Yeah, I, that, was, that was fucking weird. It's, it's very, it's very, this is like the realm of the strangest, blandest fetishes mm. combined. Compiled into into one movie where they just decided to throw all of it in. How does that work when they're basically sedating the whole society? It's a mind control type thing. 
yet they're giving them this outlet. Like, how is that not something else that's just suppressed? Like this need, like to satisfy these urges for watching these exotic dancing things or someone getting their, you know, their teeth kicked out. I don't have a psychology background, so I, I don't know if there's like some type of thing that maybe that is some part of the human condition. I don't know. It just felt like let's study the human and let's give it its most basic needs. Like if you were to bring cattle, I, I guess it's kind of like cattle. Like you, you use cattle for a specific reason. Um, cattle need to breed, so they mate cows up with bulls, right? And they need to run, so they have somebody that goes out and gets the cows to move along. So it's, you know, a cowboy basically get, moves them across the, the land a bit so that they can graze and get around. And then they bring them in, like, like you're supplying all of the base needs in this most sterile and mechanical way. And you're keeping them tame by keeping them drugged. And you're also keeping them tamed by focusing on a a means of control, which is a policing and a religious aspect. So like humans need something greater to believe in. Here's that. Humans need policing. Here's that. Humans need sex, but we need to get rid of the emotions because that's what makes them unruly. Here's the drugs to do that pair them up with a female. I think sex is outlawed in this society. I think emotions are outlawed. It, it is, I guess it is outlawed. I think it was just by chance he was paired up with a female. Well, I don't think so, because the guy that ends up taking her, they call him mate, and they, they, they have this conversation about how they're statistically matched up. I don't, I don't know. It's, that's, the, that's the weird part about this. It's hard to tell. You need to read the novel that gives you the full story. Maybe. Not that well, I think I would ever read a novel based on this. Like, there's there's background discussion. Like, there's a scene where he is getting tased. Thex, the th- Thex, 1138, or THX, 1138. It's actually like Thex is how they pronounce it. They just throw the letters together and sound it out, right? And he's been caught, and... He's he's being tased in this just stark white room. It's like that shit from the TV room in Willy Wonka, right? It's that that kind of white. And the guys are, oh no, he's not being tased. He's being like electroshocked. Yeah. They're like watching him, and he's like convulsing, and they're arguing about the kind of jolt to give him. Like evidently, there's two guys operating the controls. You know, don't do it. Don't overdo it. That, that if you hit it to level thirty-seven, it'll, it, it, you know, that will cause an over. I told you not. To. It's like two people arguing about this guy being basically electrified, and, and he's convulsing in these weird ways. And the people who are doing it aren't concerned about him. They're con- they're really just arguing about the right setting. And that's the whole fucking movie. Like, very little of anything that is said in this movie is makes any sense. It's it's all like background chatter. It's almost like if you were listening to a scanner, like a police scanner, and and everyone's talking their own language. It means something to the people they're talking to. It means nothing to you. It was like a series of weird vignettes that really uh, just have a hard time understanding this. The first time I watched this, I was like, well, what the hell was that that I just watched? Now I had to watch it again. And it was equally as I still don't know what the hell is going on here. 
what's interesting is when I was looking this up, as I said before, this was based on the student film that he did, which was only 15 minutes long. Hmm. Okay, I didn't see that. Apparently, that version is available on the 2004 director's cut of this movie. But this movie did feel like a 15-minute film stretched the fuck out over nearly two hours. It's so weird. It's just odd. Another, another strange thing that popped out to me was that the system was determining whether it was worthwhile let me let's back up a bit. So THX gets to a point where he kind of has a breakdown. He about blows up his pod or whatever. They drag him out. They take him to this detention center with other people. They kind of throw him in with these other deviants and they shock him. They drag him to another room. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I can't I can't even tell who is his mate because everyone is bald. Everyone looks the same like that. It's very I mean, everyone's dressed in white. It's very hard to distinguish one from the other. I mean, like I could, after a while you get used to Robert Duvall and it's interesting. I've never seen a young Robert Duvall. So when I was watching this, I didn't know he was in it, but I was like, holy shit, is that Robert Duvall? That's, that's interesting. I, I'd never seen him act in anything, any of his earlier stuff it was just odd. And another example was like, they're in, they decide they, they're in this giant white room and they're like, we're just going to walk that way. Why that way? Just feels there, right. There are no walls in this area. I, they just walk, they keep walking like a desert of white space. And eventually they run into a guy. He's like, you're going the wrong way. You got to go back the other way. No, like, we just came from that direction. He's like, no, no, no. You guys have been going in circles. That's the way that's out. And then they point off to another place and it's like, someone else comes from there. And the dude's a robot. He's not a robot. He's, he's a hologram, just a very physical hologram that shows him the way out. I so guess. I think when he, tell me if you think this is wrong or not. My understanding was when they, he said he's a hologram. He's one of the people in those films. I think he's one of the exotic dancers. I he he said he was part of the software and he got tired of it and he left. That was that was his description. Like I'm, I was part of the system. That I first thought like oh so I mean like he was just like a he was ones and zeros and he decided to materialize. Yeah, maybe. Who are you? I'm a hologram. I'm not real. You know the the fantasy bureau of electrically generated realities and all that. I was stuck in the same circuit for too long. The arm and leg routine. Did you see that one? I always wanted to be part of the real world. <laughs> so I left. I thought that he was one of these projected people from those programs, either of the exotic dancers or the people that get beat like i thought those are like what they call holograms i i was not left with that impression but you know what this movie is that kind of movie where you might not be wrong well you know between <laughs> trying to watch this film and purposefully distracting myself with my phone i might have missed a few details okay fair enough because keep in mind he did have trouble with the car Oh my god, was that not ridiculous? The hologram decides to get out. The dude's tall. First off, this, you know, really tall guy. He gets into a tiny little car. He barely fits. He can't figure out how to operate it, which I get it. Maybe he's never operated a car. I mean, these guys are raised in this facility and they're secluded. Well, he's a hologram. Yeah, he's a hologram. I know. He's a hologram having trouble getting in a car. I just, and then the car explodes and evidently he's dead. I just, I don't know. I don't know what I watched. That's the biggest problem. He gets away. He gets out of the facility, gets out of the car. 
and the movie ends with him basking in the glow of a large red rising sun. Maybe it's a setting sun. I don't know. It's like a sunset. I think it was a sunrise because I'm pretty sure I I kept on uh, forwarding through to see where, which way it was going, and it did seem like it was going up. But yeah, so I guess the, it's, a, it's an underground society, mm-hmm. and I guess we don't know exactly what else is above ground except the sun. Yeah. We don't know if he ever met his mate. Well, I think she dies. How? I think they kill her, and then her designation oh, oh, get, gets reassigned to a fetus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She dies, and then they point to the fetus, and they're like, "This is this is this her is, now." Yeah. But I was left with the impression that that they had like done something to her that reverted her back. Like this is her now. This is what's left of her, and it's a fetus in a jar. At first, I thought like, "Is that like because she says she got pregnant?" Is that like the accelerated growth of the fetus that was in her? Oh, see, I didn't even remember that part. Like, it's yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's right. She's pregnant, so I didn't even think that maybe they had pulled the fetus out, stuck it in the jar, and figured they would just continue growing it. But you know, he leaves it. He's, he looks at it and goes, "Oh, that's a bummer." He doesn't say that. But he just kind of, kind of goes, "Huh," and then leaves. So it's there's no emotional like the movie is devoid. Like in a situation where you have an environment of stark contrast. The movie's acting and storyline is very much like the atmosphere. Everything's white, and because everything's white, there's no contrast. Like, the point of having everything being white is that some things that you want to stand out will stand out. Nothing stands out. Like the hologram guy? (laughs) I guess. He kind of stood out. He was a little contrasting. Okay, he was a little contrasty. This is true. Uh, and I wonder if that was on purpose, but it's meaninglessly in contrast. You know, like he's, a, he's a dying. He gets in the car and the car explodes. It was such an uneventful, wasted death. It, it's, it's, yeah, it, it really was. It was kind of like, how do we get rid of this? All the time I felt like, I want to introduce this. How do I introduce it? I want to get rid of this now. How do I get rid of it? It's not ever really a matter of like telling the story it's so much as it is. I want to inject these bits and pieces. Now, how do I do that in a way that <laughs> that really doesn't accentuate the story and allows me to get rid of it when I feel like? Going back to, was it La or L-U-H, whatever her name was, his, his former mate? La 3417. So she says that she's pregnant. And I guess part of me is wondering, how does she know? How does she even know that that's a thing she could be? My guess is there isn't a corner store where you can get a test. Well, yeah. And (laughs) if they've controlled society to a point where everything that they watch, everything that they eat is controlled, you would think that everything, like their entire education is controlled. Right. Why would that be a thing that they feel like she should know could happen to her? Well, fine. How could she know? Yeah, she can't. Because we go from what sex scene to like the next day I'm pregnant. Yeah. How would she know? I mean, maybe we could just say, well... I don't think you can know that quickly. Now, the medical... We could say that the medical technology is so advanced that you walk into the bathroom, you press a button, and the robot says, you're pregnant. You know, or, and, by the way, you've got a bunion. You know, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? They're like the same this, thing. This movie is so... In in this movie, it could be the same thing. You're pregnant, and you have a bunion. It, 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 because nothing is, is... Nothing pops out. Nothing stands out. So it's... This is supposed to be like he's off his meds. All he does that's different is he gets sick. He pukes, like, while doing a confessional. Like, the confessional bit's funny as hell. 
because I used to be, I, I once upon a time in a previous life, I was Catholic. And uh, uh, so the, the confessional here is just so, you know, with the robo Jesus, and it's always the same thing, you know, tell me how you feel, my son. And then he's like talking. Mm. And then he keeps talking. Tell me more. Mm. And it just keeps. My time is yours. Go ahead. What's wrong with me? What am I to her? She to me? Nothing. Yes, fine. She's an ordinary roommate. I share rooms with her. Our relationship is normal, conforming. Excellent. Share nothing. But space. What is she doing to me? Yes, I understand. I think I'm dying. Could you be more specific? You are a true believer. Blessings of the state, blessings of the masses. Thou art a subject of the divine, created in the image of man. By the masses, for the masses. Let us be thankful we have comrades. Buy more. Buy more now. Buy and be happy. No matter what he says, it's the repeat of dialogue. And then he barfs. You know, it, you are a dedicated child. You know, good for you. Yeah. yeah. The, it, it, there it's was... like a recording. There was a lot about this movie that reminded me, and don't laugh, but it reminded me of the Woody Allen movie Sleeper. I've not seen it. Okay, so the premise of that one is that... No spoilers! Well, <laughs> go on, go on, go on, go on. From 1973. I agree, it's a little late. So Woody Allen plays this guy who ran a health food store in Greenwich Village, and he goes in for uh, some operation in 1973, but gets woken up like 200 years later. Mm-hmm. And he becomes kind of this fugitive, and they call him like an alien or whatever. But these doctors who revived him want him to help overthrow the great leader or something like that. But, you know, uh, 1970s portraying a uh, society and then 200 years later. So they have these robot butlers that help people out, uh, which look very similar to the robot policemen in THX 1138. Mm-hmm. But there's also an automated confessional. Interesting. Interesting. Um, once this week, I questioned my supervisor, and uh, I missed a couple of minutes of our leader's speech on television. And um... so I just thought that was kind of fun. And it's very white. There's a lot of white in that film. And so, so there's just a few bits of crossover here. Maybe one influenced the other in a very indie kind of way. Maybe. Maybe. But at least... The, I don't know. Uh, Sleeper is at least a film that I could watch and be entertained by. This definitely was not that This was me. not that film by any stretch. And frankly, I imagine that the 15-minute student film version might have been a few minutes longer than it needed to be also. I, I like the idea. I, I, I think that The Matrix did a better job of portraying this kind of situation where people are being controlled by machines, they're being bred in a specific way, they're being given a simulation that allows them to do whatever the heck they want to do 
while they are fulfilling a very mechanical purpose. The matrix itself has this sort of greenwash to it, whereas when you break through and out of that and you come into the real, you you know you don't have that anymore. You have this very crisp, this very dark, this very drab, but it's still very crisp other world, other environment, that kind of you feel like this is real versus when they're in the matrix. And it, there's, there is that little feel of crossover here. I just feel like the matrix did a better job of sort of portraying that individual rebelling against the robotic society that is using them for these base mechanical purposes and just trying to fulfill the most base level human desires to keep them as productive and silent as possible. With, with the difference being is that in THX 138, they're using drugs to keep them down. And in the Matrix, they're using the sort of the doldrum of life, you know, going to an office, sitting in a cubicle that what we consider to be life and this sort of rat race is really just a hamster running in a the little treadmill ball inside of this glass cage. Yeah, that's starting to really uh, hit home to me right now. Tell me more about being a hamster <laughs> and being in the rat race. Uh, uh, but you're saying that if I, if I escape this matrix, yes, I can be in like a weird spaceshipy thing and underground to living in sewers, uh, drinking porridge, never to really enjoy the pleasures of the rat race again. Yeah, honestly, one's not better than the other in that movie. We never actually find out what happens to him after he escapes this underground society. He's just basking in the sunlight, probably gets a little bit sunburned. A little bit, a little bit. He's probably... Because he's awfully white. Unless they were giving him some vitamin D supplements, then he's probably getting vitamin D for the first time in a long time. That had to be that had to be what was on his tray. That had to be one of the pills it, on his yeah, tray. Yeah, otherwise he would have had some significant health problems. Yeah. It was just weird. Yes. Yeah, it reminded me of a of a book series of an underground society where people who talk about getting out, then they get sent out, and then they die. Right. Where was this referenced in the book? Because I know oh, we're talking chapter 29. So, yeah, so we probably should have started out with this, and we could cut this with the magic of computers to make it be in the beginning. But the, mm. the whole reason why we're talking about THX 1138 is because when Parzival is in the indentured servant area, and everybody's got the same look as him. They're all bald, hairless, wearing these kind of stark clothing that they're given from the whatever they call it when they get... So like paper outfits, yeah, the paper pap suits. He said that they all look like extras from the movie THX 1138. And when you watch this movie, it really helps paint that picture. And, of course, you never lose that picture because now every time... I listen to that part of the book or read that part of the book. That's what I picture is I picture the the people in the society that is that movie. Mm -hmm. They're all bald. You know, then, you know, with that scene where he, they get tagged, it reminded me of the ear gear. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Right. They, they, they tag them like cattle, like right on the ear. Right. It's it's a uh, it's kind of. Yeah, that's a. It, that he used this, had I seen TH1138 in, ad, in advance, it would have painted a clearer picture of what IOI was like. That that using that would have given me this whole sort of environmental landscape to to put this against 
and it would have made more sense. And quite frankly, I would have hated IOI even more. Yeah, because what it, what I think it might also have meant to do was to put us in the heads of the indentured servants, where they are just kind of drudging along at the orders of this invisible government force. And they're not really happy. And maybe sometimes they're, they would rather kill themselves in a big thermonuclear explosion than go on. Mm. And they want to escape, but they can't, or they don't know how, or they, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Because it, at least from the perspective of Robert Duvall's character, who only finds out or really starts to feel like he doesn't want to be there or that there's more to life once he's not given his meds. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. So here's another question. Now that we've put this in, in perspective of the book, this is a George Lucas film. Yeah. And one of the things that I noticed was that there were a lot of scenes that felt Star Wars-y. Mm -hmm. In fact, there were some sound effects that I think they recycled for Star Wars. What's that? There was, I think it was the scene where he was getting beaten or tased, where it sounded like the the distant cousin of the lightsaber sound effect. So let's skip the 1114. What is that, Buffy? The 321. That's the one. On to the 69. Well, that's enough. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was some of the background sounds and the background talking that's just sort of internal gibberish. So, for example, when the Millennium Falcon is being pulled in to the Death Star, you know, when you hear like background chatter mm. between the guys that are operating the tractor beam or background chatter between different stormtroopers, like they're saying things, but you don't know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. They're using English, mind you, but it's this terminology, this sort of lingo that, that it seems that only they understand. Is it kind of like this in South Park when they do rabble, 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 rabble? Kind of. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that exactly, yeah. It, you just don't understand. It, it's not nonsensical. It's just it's technical. You know, it's like when you walk into a business and they start using acronyms. It just kind of had that feel. And some of the outfits that the characters used, and maybe not specifically outfits, but there was just sort of a look and feel to it that reminded me of certain parts of the Death Star. Not so much the stark white, but just certain aspects of uh, of the in general environment. I could see the the framing of scenes was certainly related. Because mm -hmm. there were some points where there was some very shot from like a distance to kind of give you that over. I mean, maybe that's not necessarily a George Lucas thing. But I remember like the scene, there were some scenes in the movies where they would go back and forth between the the long shots versus the close-up shots just to give mm. that. And part of it was so you can get the sense of scale of some of these things you were looking at. But in here, it like was kind of... a giant white room? Yeah, well, and like, and maybe that was part of the... The idea there is that, like, to give you the sense of expanse. I, I guess. So uh, another scene that, that jumped out at me that I thought was interesting was uh, at the very end, the scene where he is standing in the sunlight. Mm -hmm. oh. It very much reminded me of yeah. Luke Skywalker standing out on the desert, you know, the desert landscape with the two suns off in the distance. Yeah. You know, it kind of had that... that need to escape thing. Of course, this scene that I'm talking about was in episode four at the very beginning, whereas this scene is at the very end. 
but it still had that, you know, person in the sunlight, person in the sunrise kind of situation. And immediately I thought, oh, this looks like a scene right out of Star Wars. But in fact, I could imagine George going, I really like seeing people's silhouettes in the sun. Well, some people have signatures in their directing. And that I'm trying to think of any other George Lucas films that were directed by George Lucas where he did that. And I can't say that I'm that learned in George Lucas films, honestly. Well, that's the one that jumped out at me, that that particular scene came across as very Star Wars-y. And even if I didn't know who the director was, it still had that walking up and standing and looking out into the sunrise. And, you know, just the coloration and the, the placement looked very much like that scene out of Star Wars. There was that part to, where he's, climbing, where he's uh, going up the tube. That kind of reminded me of uh, going through some of those tubes in the Millennium Falcon to get to, like, the uh, shootout scene in episode yeah. four. There, there was a little crawling through, yeah. Because it's been a couple of weeks since I saw it. So my memory of certain scenes is a little bit faded, but the sound effects really kind of like the, the lightsaber sound effects stuck out to me a lot. And yeah, I think that's all I got on that one. Well, and I also thought that was interesting was in Star Wars, everyone that's a part of the Empire is very uniformed mm -hmm. and very faceless, except for the higher ups. Similarly, in THX, everyone looks the same. Everyone's wearing the same thing. They're just a drone in the system. But, I mean, that's kind of a loose comparison. I guess you could say that about a handful of movies that kind of have that similar atmosphere. But I think, for me, that's kind of where it stops for Star Wars. Hmm. I can see hints of it, but the stuff that you've mentioned and the sunrise bit for me is, is where, you know, those hints of Star Wars kind of gleam through this is just as, you know, there's not a whole lot to say about this other than to say it's a weird, weird fucking movie. Yeah, it, it's a weird movie that I guarantee you I will not be watching again. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious about the student film version, but I don't know how curious I am. I think I'll get over that. This movie has a 6.8 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Is it, does it have a tomato rating? I'm checking it out right now. I knew you would. Oh my god. How does this have an 87? What? <laughs> the tomato meter puts us at an 87, and an audience score has it at a 74. Uh, I don't get it. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. I, I really don't get it. I, I'm okay. Well, I'll, I'll read. I'll read. I'll read a, a fresh tomato here. William Paul from the Village Voice says the empty space surrounding the vulnerable man emphasizes the exertion involved rather than the goal of escape, like the hologram who came to life because he wanted to. THX finally achieved his humanity by an assertion of will. Look, uh, we dive deep into a book and we 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 stretch it sometimes. We really do. This just stretches it way too much. <laughs> way too much for me. I think I'm more in line with this review here by someone named Kevin Carr. Long and cumbersome. <laughs> I see that. Oh my god. That uh, is one. perfect. Despite his scenes of bland horror, Lucas offers the 25th century as an arc, campy place, a conception not satiric enough to be accepted as comedy, and not quite insightful enough to be taken seriously. That's by Stefan Canfer of 
Time Magazine. That's that's actually pretty close. I mean, in my opinion, I, I don't. I didn't hate the film. I was just left, you know, it, wondering it's, what it's, you missed, what else there was to it, something like that. So so underwhelmed that I feel like I missed something. Like I'm not in on something. I'm not in on a joke or some sort of meaning, some sort of hidden depth, some message, something nestled in. I don't. I. It's not even that I don't get it. I just. It was boring. It was so boring. The only thing that was that possibly stitched this movie together was the moment was one moment of absurdity leading to the next moment of absurdity. But even the absurdity was not over the top. It was dry. It was pasty. Yeah. <laughs> and it was and it was just not satisfying at all. It's like eating a meal and waiting to get to the flavor <laughs> and every bite being more disappointing than the last. Because what you put in your mouth, you're thinking, well, maybe, 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 no, nope, nope, not now, no, maybe the next bite. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. And what amazes me, even now, is that six years after this movie came out, Star Wars comes out from the same guy. Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. I, I, I can't. It's, it's amazing. Like, some of these ratings here, v- visually, it is often extraordinary, with Lucas playing on perspectives and dislocations throughout. Nowhere more brilliant than in the prison represented by a limbo of whiteness that seems to stretch as far as the eye can see. I mean, to me, that seems like they just didn't have money for, for sets. Well, I mean, I, I actually I thought there for a moment, how did they get the set so white that they could make it look endless? Like they really there were no corners to those rooms. It was mirrors, maybe fascinating. I have no idea. It couldn't be mirrors because then you'd be looking at the camera or something else. There it are ways be, of doing that kind of thing, but I'm sure that there are. Maybe it was just a I just I have no idea. It, That's one of those things it was where you probably go probably done in some, with so much brightness that just there's no because there's also I don't remember there being shadows cast. That's an interesting thing. I don't remember but I don't remember seeing their feet very often either. True. And I wonder if maybe they avoided that or I I just it's so hard. Another one was the whole thing feels like hypnotic dreamscape, so luminously stark from its white on white abstract sets to the wide-eyed, bald, nearly catatonic residents of this world. And that's a fresh tomato. That's a good rating. Oh, and, my god! And it's like, oh, wow, white on white. Fantastic. It, I'm nearly speechless. So, I, like, I look at some of these, and I'm like, this is just, yeah. Part of it might be that a lot of these reviews that we're seeing here, mm-hmm. they're all very recent. Sure. Because, obviously, Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around in 1971. So this is really based on reviews that are, well, within the past 10 years. And what we could have is we've got people that are looking back on this movie and they're remembering a degree of nostalgia, maybe. Or maybe there's a at that period of time we're talking about we're in the middle of a war. We're talking about just coming out of the 60s. Uh, you know, a lot of criticism about the government and how things are going on and how people are being treated. Maybe there's just a message that is pulled from society that people are related to more intimately in 1971 than I can relate to in 2018. So we all know who Roger Ebert is, right? Well, yes. So he does a lot of stuff with thumbs. Yes. So his review is fresh. He says the movie's strength is not in its story, but in its unsettling and weirdly effective visual and sound style. Uh, <sighs> three, three out of four is his score. Wow. Okay. 
And here's the thing about that is Roger Ebert and and who was the other guy? Siskel. Yeah. Gene Siskel. Gene Siskel. There we go. Thank you. Wow, he's been gone Ro- for a while. Yeah. Yeah. They sat and watched movie after movie after movie. And you know, for me, I'll pick one or two movies in a month that I that I'll go see that stand out to me. Right. These guys have to watch every damn movie that comes out. So something that comes out that is just beat you over the head, brilliant white, is dramatically different than the garbage that they're putting out now. It's just so starkly different that I could see somebody who has to go through the drudge of watching big budget films would see this as interesting and engaging because it is so different. Or what you're saying is that there's so much other crap being put out that this isn't as bad as that crap. I'm saying because they have to see the stuff that you and I might consider to be fun and good. That to them, it's like if you had to eat candy every day, a plate of mashed potatoes might actually taste good. <laughs> Plain mashed potatoes. Maybe mashed potatoes, no butter? No butter, sir. No, oh. no, no yellow in this movie. Mm-mm. No. It's like cauliflower mashed potatoes, like fake mashed potatoes. It's just white. It's nothing. Not even real mashed potatoes. Right. That even that would probably taste good if all you had to eat was candy all day long. To you and me, candy a couple times a month, fantastic. This is delicious. These guys, cauliflower mashed potatoes, imposter mashed potatoes is better than candy every day for them. It's that different. I have to imagine. I have to imagine. Because right now I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the people who are like, that was brilliant. That was wonderful. It was a stark contrast, white on white. You know, this dystopian world where, you know, the government and society and religion and blah, 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 blah. I mean, part of me is just kind of wondering if they're not saying that of this film because it's George Lucas and it's he's had the career that he's had. Because a lot of these reviews were written in the last 15 years. Yeah, 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 it would have to have been. Yeah, and that's why I'm thinking... But keep in mind, like people have reflected on this, like the the reviews from the audience from over 28,000 reviews, put it at 74, like it's jiving fairly close to to the critics. So then what the fuck is wrong with everybody? I'm beginning to wonder what the fuck is wrong with us. <laughs> what are we missing? Some... If anyone's listening, what did we miss? It, for any of you listeners out there, please call in and let us know. <laughs> I mean, you know, hit the Facebook, send us a message. What did we miss here? For the love of God, don't fucking say white on white. We got that. That 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 part we got. Clear, clear. You know, it. it I, I don't think this movie provoked anything more than a, huh. <laughs> like moments, one moment after another. Hmm, that's it. That was the extent of my impression. It was, you know. It was not a good story. It was underdeveloped. It and with well, the story because the the white seemed overdeveloped yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> now the, the, there was nothing to the story. It had huge gaps. There's so much that needs to be explained, but you don't care. I just I can't imagine what people find good about this film. And, you know, there were characters that were colorful that came and went. You know, Robert Duvall's character. Other than his sheer will to leave, I did not feel any emotion, even during the sex scene, nothing really, except for the back where he's crying and saying, I think I'm dying, and then he pukes. That added some color. A little. Well, we didn't get to see that. They're just, you know, the hologram, that was interesting. He dies. 
the dude that was kind of crazy that decided to take his roommate and then he ends up in the jail with him and he says we should run off and then they're running off and he's like we should go back and he's like i don't want to go back eventually he goes away it just it's anything anybody that i actually had the minutest connection to and care about came and went part of the reason why thx was wanting to escape was that he'd been weaned off his meds Right. So were these other guys weaned off theirs? And why wouldn't they just put them back on the meds? Why wouldn't you just force inject them? And then when they kind of sedate out, you put them back into population. Well, this is kind of like, why don't they just put shit in the water? I guess. You mean like fluoride? Yeah, you know, mind control shit. I don't know. I don't know. I was wondering okay. if we were ever going to get to the point where this is kind of like fluoride in the water. Yeah, but they didn't do that, though. They didn't use that method. They weren't clever enough. To to make it so that it wasn't a fucking option. Um, yeah. You know, it was like, here's your sandwich, and here are your pills for today. You must take them, or you'll be in violation of not drugging yourself. There was, like, a legal violation, like, not medicating enough. Like, unauthorized under-medication. Yeah. Or some shit like that. One of the things I did like was I liked how, as he was trying to escape, there was this constant sort of reflection by the computer system. Like, they would pitch back to somebody watching cameras mm -hmm. and they would talk about how much money they were spending in trying to capture him and estimating how long it would take to capture him. This will take 21,000 credits to capture him in the next five minutes. Like they're estimating, like they're just pulling an estimate out of their ass. And then as he escapes more, it ends up costing them more money. And again, it would have been funny if the robots just said, fuck this. It's costing us too much money to even chase this guy. Let him go. But they don't even like drill to that point because it, it goes beyond the the projected cost to capture him. Like now we're in 28,000. Now we're at 30,000. And, and every once in a while, when it switches to that perspective, they're, they're talking about how much it's costing in the moment to capture him. Like at some point you're expecting them to go, his value is not worth the current price cut off all pursuit. Like like the system had, like you would have expected the system to have a limit calculation as to what it would invest in trying to recapture him before they would just let him go. But they never really did that. No. Like it was one of those things that you're like, oh, maybe they'll give up. Oh no, they're going to keep going. It means nothing. Never mind. Could you imagine if we had a system like that or like there's a, there's a police chase or something and they assign a budget and it's like, oh, well, You've now spent thirty dollars worth of gas, and well, that that's it. We we're done chasing huh. this guy. Yeah, exactly. Like the budget to pursuit is is more expensive than the value of having caught yeah. it. This building is burning down, and we have twenty thousand gallons to get it out. And up, oh, it's almost out, but we've we've hit our limit. We've we've expended our our budgetary resources for putting out this house. Yeah, that would be fucked up. That that would be screwy. Uh, anyhow, we should wrap it up. Yeah, I can't. I can't I can't piss on this hard enough or frequently enough. And I feel like I'm just shaking out the drops at the moment. Yeah. Well, that would be a way to bring some color into this film. A little bit of yellow would have been nice, except for the end where there was the sun. Yeah. I think that was like the first dash of color. I think I was feeling what Robert Duvall was feeling, which was, thank God, it's the sun. So for anybody listening who dares try to watch this film, if you go on archive.org, you will find this movie to watch without any cost. I highly recommend doing that as your method. When they go to archive.org, what do they have to do? I guess they have to just search for THX1138. Let me try that.
Yep, there it is. THX one one three eight original cut MKV. Oh, this is there's so much stuff here. It's fascinating. The one one three eight ad sheet. Evidently, this was in German as well. Uh, anyhow, anyhow, yes. Archive.org. Do a search for THX one one three eight. It's the first. I presume this is legal, right? I don't know. It, yeah, it's well, it's online. If it wasn't legal, they would have gone after it. It's Internet Archive. It's a nonprofit library of millions of free books, movies, software, music, and websites, and more. It might be that this movie's so old that we're beyond copyright law. <sighs> I know. Copyright law has gotten a little weird, particularly with Disney, but I'm not going to go into that. Plus, the other thing to, to point out is the uh, THX1138 and the company, the sound effects special effects company or whatever that george lucas uh founded called thx must be some kind of relationship there right maybe i'd imagine like because thx is a is a sound company right yeah and it was was um george lucas was a co-founder i have no idea thx limited is an american company headquartered in san francisco and founded in 1983 by george lucas it develops the THX high fidelity audiovisual reproduction standards for movie theaters, screening rooms, home theaters, computer speakers, gaming consoles, car audio systems, and video games. Mm. It seems like that was likely where that name came from. Was THX one one three eight? I'd imagine. All right, so let's let's wrap this. Yeah, up. we're done. This this horse has been beaten so hard. Poor horse. And uh, I I think anyone should watch this to at least get a feel for it. And maybe to come on Facebook and and let us know what we missed. Again, I feel like I've missed something. I feel like I'm not in on a joke. Yeah, or if you see anything in here that reminds you of something in Ready Player One. You know, if there's some type of relationship to, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before with like the ear gear tag thing or something mm. like that. If you can find any kind of nugget of anything that can be related back to the book, that'll that'll help redeem it yeah that it might or we might say you know what ernest klein one an hour and 45 minutes of my life twice that i lost because because <laughs> it was in the book it was in the book and we had to see it <laughs> mind you he wasn't saying that it was a great movie that's true and this is the only place that he mentions it and what he compares it to is is the horrors of ioi so to his credit there he is making a valid reference yeah. in that in that respect so yeah as opposed to the reference to explorers which is a great movie as he describes up until a certain point yeah this had no yeah. greatness at all no no greatness whatsoever no. all right well then let's wrap it up are you cool with that i think i'm cool with it great well it, it's hard to know where to end this one <laughs> We should wait till sunrise and stand out there Mm. and be inspired. Yeah, probably so. All right. Well, this is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we'll see you on the next episode of Get to the Good Part. movie yeah (laughs) oh my god it was so bad oh it's like i don't care who directed it that film sucked so pretentious
So it weird. It was like he was trying to be artsy. Oh my god. And just I don't know. Is there is there a word for epic fail? Uh, uh, is there a word for epic? Well, it wasn't an epic fail. It's just it's like gold plated shit. <laughs> White gold, mind you. White gold, of course. Yes. Look at the poo. The poo comes from the butt. It is the dregs of society. It smells, but it has white gold plating. Has value, but no value at all. That's this movie. Yeah. It was. And it is. It is struggling to leave your butt. Well, well, here's a here's a question. Would you rather watch this movie again or episode one? Oh, episode one. Episode one, twenty times. What if what if you took episode one and cut out everything except the scenes with Jar Jar Binks? I'm alright with that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Jar Jar Binks was the was the Pee Wee of that movie. Was the was the full full on Pee Wee Herman was the introduction of Jar Jar Binks. But that said, Jar Jar Binks, every scene by himself without any background context would have been fine. That could easily have been a cool little kid sci fi thing, right? It was just the introduction of Jar Jar Binks into a serious movie as a as a we've got to have some comedic value and we don't have any damn robots around kind of thing. Right. Mm. Uh, that that it just failed. Was it comedic like, value oh, be great. or were they trying to appeal to kids with the character? I think that they were. I think maybe both because you got to keep in mind uh, George Lucas had a really, really great time and did a really good job. Of selling a shitload of toys, so you know when they're thinking a Star Wars movie, they're thinking, "How can we market this?" And then they're instantly thinking, "What shit can we put into the movie that we can turn into dolls and turn into things you can pull strings and it says stuff?" So, so was that little like ridiculous car chase kind of like the the predecessor to the pod racing, and that it was just such an epic fail that we had the I, I liked the pod race. Really, you did? Like, I was yeah, I was okay with that. Like I, I was. It, again, it's one of those movies where I was like, you know, take out Jar Jar Binks. Watching Jar Jar Binks by himself, fine. Watch the movie without Jar Jar Binks, fine. Put Jar Jar Binks in the movie, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I get it. We need to have stupid in here in order to appeal to children. Why are we insulting kids with this? It goes from it goes from watching, you know, a. a you know, what is it, 10,000 people talking about the Galactic Empire and business and government. And it's it's like going to the Senate and then introducing Jar Jar Binks. So I suppose that's an interesting parallel between Star Wars and this is that it's got these overbearing, I don't know, you got the Empire versus like this tyrannical dystopian government situation where they're controlling all their citizens with drugs I think uh, George Lucas has a thing about um, tyrannical government. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's true. From a very, high, very high level, this idea of government and business and religious controls superseding the freedoms of people and the struggles between those two, and that when one gets too much power and it wants to dominate with force, that it hinders the people. But granted, I, I don't know that that's a new thing. That's it's kind of a common trope, you know. It's just he 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 does it a couple. He does it a lot, you know. And, and it, the government is always oppressive, you know. The larger government is always oppressive, not the localized government, mind you. And it's it's always the people end up sort of as slaves to this larger demigod of a government. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I he he. It seems he's hung up on that. 
that that it's worked for him. Let's just say this: it it's worked for him. Why would you do something dramatically different? I guess if it's worked for you, uh, variety. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't. Yeah, you didn't. Anyway. You didn't hit stop, did you? No, I've not hit stop. Oh, good, because we got some good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. That always happens. Right. That's, that's why whenever we whenever we say we're done, I'm not hitting stop until we're actually done. Yeah. And then we'll release yeah. that as a different. Te- we'll release that onto our Indiegogo campaign. That if you donate to our Indiegogo campaign, you can get access to the bonus bonus. No. Mm. Yes. There you go. The Indiegogo outside of the other outside of the Patreon, which reminds me, I'm thinking, and I'm gonna go ahead and hit stop because I'm done talking yeah. about this fucking movie. This movie sucked. Oh god. <gasps> oh, in such a boring and flaccid way. <laughs>